You've tuned into the Bellingham Podcast for the week of Easter Sunday, 2018, episode 74. From the city by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barsay. And from the northwest of the northwest, I'm Chris Powell. On this episode, we've got some smart and hybrid, we got some neoclassics, and we've got some adventure time on your wrist. It's Basil World. So sit back and enjoy the Bellingham Podcast. Now, wasn't that fun? <laughs> Happy April Fools. Happy April Fools, ladies and gentlemen. I am Chris Powell. Say my name. You know who I am. <laughs> and I am AJ Barce. And man, I cannot get my voice that deep. Uh, well, you know, it takes a little bit of time. I, I hung from a chin-up bar in my teenage years. So anyway, AJ, how the heck are you this Easter Sunday? I am good. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter as we are recording this. It's a little cloudy uh, here in 98226. And, and where are we with all the ambient noise around again? Ah, uh, yes. This is the other office. This is the uh, unofficial Bellingham podcast pen house this is the woods at barkley the barkley monstrosity the barkley woods. monstrosity the regal imax uh, stadium 16 movie <laughs> thing the red that we yellow are. and gray thing yeah exactly so anyway big event uh, that we alluded to last week yeah uh for the watch fam out there hey watch fam uh we had basil world which was on every uh, watch uh, <laughs> blog and a website and such, but we're going to take a different tack with this because everyone's doing their wrap-up yep. of Basel World. How do you want to handle this one, uh, Watchman? So so here's the thing. I wanted this episode because like, there's there's those that have to break the news. So you got the, the, you have the bigs. You got the Hodinky, you got Warner Wound, you got Revolution, all those guys and gals that are, are reporting from Basel, which is skookum. And then you have the armchair quarterbacking, right? I'm, my butt is firmly planted in my recliner right now. Right, right. But a lot of the armchair quarterbacking is always like, oh, Rolex didn't do this, and how dare they? I don't want to do that. Like, I, what I want this show to be is basically looking at uh, all of these uh, watches and headlines just from the lens of, hey, you and I are everyday average Joes here in the Pacific Northwest. Let's look at watches that really kind of fit our ecosystem, our way of life up here in the Northwest. The Northwest, Northwest lifestyle. North. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, just kind of take it from that tact. Like, we're not going to be hating, we ain't going to be loving. It's just one of those things where, hey, this was kind of cool. Because remember, Basil World is more of the what's coming to market, whereas the, the previous uh, episode that we did on SIHH, that is the art of horology, right? So kind of comparing and contrasting the two. So. Now, now, first, before we uh, head into some of the specs of some of these watches as we are nestling comfortably into our uh, chairs, let's talk about a little bit of um, currency conversions, yes. shall we? Yes. So as of this recording, uh, we're going to be talking about euros and what, what are the so kinds of... So we've got, we got Swiss franc, we've got euro, we got USD. Okay, so and the top three as far as the watch world. Yeah, and I didn't do the conversions because I just... Um, all of So this episode is very link-laden. Um, I took a lot of time to basically everything that I cite or you, that, that we're going to be citing on the show, there is a link in the show notes. You can go directly to the article of, like I said, the bigs, Hodinkee, Warren and Wound, whomever that did the article. So, um, you know, I just want to, everything is transparent. You know, I just wanted to have as much information as I could. Hold that thought. We'll get back to that later <laughs> on in the show. But uh, at, at least at this point, you know, as we're talking about one uh, George Washington here. One George Washington. So we've got for one USD, a euro. It's going to be a, a translation of a 1.24 to one on a euro and 1.06 to the Swiss franc. So, so Swiss, uh, Swiss francs is pretty uh, p uh, at, at parity and we got a buck and a quarter or so. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out because like when I say, you know, if we talk about like a, a 3,700 uh, Swiss franc 
you know, watch, it's not quite 3,700 bucks. It's a little bit more. Exactly. You know, and All if right. we say Euro, it's going to be quite a bit more. You're adding, tacking on, you know, 0.24. Exactly. So now as you have gone, as you have perused and, and uh, saved all the bookmarks and done all the uh, reading about what went on in Baselworld, what was one uh, aspect of a trend that you saw with Baselworld as far as uh, where things were going this year? So one thing that I've, so I've got not small risks, but I don't have abnormally large risks. I, I mean, I have like a seven and a quarter to maybe seven and a half. The, the thing about that is when you put on something that is above like 44 millimeters on your wrist uh, with a, a wrist size like that, it looks weird. Okay. Like you and I've talked about this, like there are the, the, the diesel sundials that yes. are out there. Right. Yes. And they're goofy. Like, but on some guys, like if you're Andre the giant, yeah, that looks great. Mm -hmm. But for me, like, um, and I, I own a fairly big watch. Matter of fact, I'm going to be putting it up uh, for sale here shortly. Oh. But, um, one of the things that I long for is kind of the, the classics, the 36, 37, 38, 39 spectrum of watches. Um, if you look at a lot of vintage watches, that was what they were. Men's watches actually weren't these Goliaths that were on our wrist. And now we're starting to see that now come down in uh, not just vintage pieces, but now the, and not just reissues, but actual new pieces that are trying to appeal to the more modest wrist size, which is kind of nice. Well, it's good to get back to what a watch was supposed to be as opposed to like a bling. Yeah. It is actually a, a form, of form of function. Yep. Exactly. And, and I, I'm looking forward to it. And a lot of these pieces that we're going to hit on, you know, are coming down in, in size, which is nice. Yeah. Um, another trend is we're seeing a little bit of a, a downtick in price or a more affordable track for a lot of brands. Yay. Yep. Um, but again, when I say affordable, we're still talking about a couple of grand, but we're not talking every piece is Rolex money. There you go. So uh, there was uh, obviously the two uh, heavy hitters yeah. uh, in Baz world that uh, were the headline makers. Do we want to talk about the headline oh, makers? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, all right, the, all right. the, arguably the two brands that literally, br well, three, if you want to count Patek. But uh, on day one, Tudor and Rolex, which you have to understand Rolex owns Tudor. Uh, for the watch fam, they broke the internet for a they, good day. They stopped time. They stopped time. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because uh, finally we have a, uh, so there on Rolex, there is a well-coveted watch called the Rolex Ma uh, uh, GMT Master II. And for the longest time, the Pepsi bezel, which means that there is a red for uh, part, half the bezel and blue for the other half of the bezel, has only been available for on like precious metals. I think it's platinum or, or white gold. I can't remember because I don't follow Rolex that much. But um, they announced it in stainless steel, which means now there is the, the Pepsi bezel GMT is available for mortals because um, in stainless steel, you don't have to pay the, the precious metal uh, price. The GMT master in stainless for Pepsi is going for um, 8,800 Swiss francs. And I mean... It's not my taste. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I like the I like the classic, you know, mill subs type of thing. But the new, and I like the 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 the, the vintage GMT. It's not my thing, but it did break the internet because there are some people that love a Pepsi bezel. And yes, they're doing some really cool manufacturing. Like it's a ceramic bezel. It's uh, uh, you know, like the the blue and the the red uh, in ceramic is super hard to do. Like I acknowledge all of that that processing and stuff. Yeah, for a lot of people, it broke the internet. For me, I was just like, eh, move on. Well, I, I guess I guess with the stainless steel uh, a aspect, we can call that one a Diet Pepsi movement. Uh, a Diet bit. Pepsi. How I many are? How oh, many? Oh, that's uh, good. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. <laughs> 
Moving Rolex, on. The Rolex Diet Pepsi. Yes. You heard it here first, right here. <laughs> oh, wow. So the, the one that, uh, that did catch my eye in the same vein is at the same time. Now, remember, Rolex owns Tudor. Tudor um, came out with a Black Bay, which take it or leave it. I mean, last year, I kind of bashed their Black Bay announcement of their chronograph. It was not to my style. Um, the Black Bay GMT Stainless in Pepsi. Uh is really skookum. Um, it's coming out at 3,700 Swiss francs, so much more reasonable. It has an in-house movement by, by Tudor, so that means Tudor actually makes the movement in there. It's not an Etta. Uh, and honestly, the aesthetic, they, they hit it out of the park. They use the vintage snowflake hands, which is what I absolutely love. And then on the GMT hand, because it, it tracks a second time zone around the outer edge, they use a, a new hand that, that riffs off of that snowflake uh, design, which is really cool. So it's a red hand with a snowflake at the end. And I believe this new movement, it's a lot like the Rolex GMT where it will click on the hour. So if you're traveling and you're jumping time zones, you don't lose um, your your time zone that you already set, which is a super, if you've ever used like an ETA that has a GMT module and stuff, if you set the time, sometimes you have to roll it back or whatever. Um, with Rolex and Tudor, basically you set it and forget it type of thing and it, and it locks in time, which is nice. But again, the Pepsi thing, I'm not a huge Pepsi bezel guy. Like give me a steel bezel. I get, I get why the red and blue are the different gradations. That way you can quickly see what's day and night, red and blue. And there's the Batman, which is black and blue and all this other jazz. But why, why did a bezel color? I mean, like perfect example, you and I are modding our, our SKXs here. In shortly. process in the near future. Stay right. tuned, watch fam. We right. got some mods coming up. And 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 so I've and I've modded mine before. But for me, bezel it's a this is a tool. And and yes, if you're a traveler, absolutely a GMT is really great. But bezels can be swapped out. Like why why a Pepsi bezel broke the internet? I don't know. It's just weird to me. Yeah, um, I you know it could be uh, recognition that way from afar. If you're at a party and you see red and blue, <gasps> it's a Tudor <laughs> or it's a Rolex. Yeah, uh, that could be a name uh, visual recognition. Yeah, but I mean the uh, the the recognition aside, the bling as it were aside, yes. both of these watches, the 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 horo horological technology that's in them, you know the anti magnetism that they're building into the the the, the balance and the hairspring. Is really cool. The Black Bay, I think, has more of a younger uh, feel uh, with a little bit of a, a tip the hat of the homage, which is great. But I, I, I really want to see that GMT with something other than the Pepsi bezel, honestly. All right. So we talked about the big two, yep. or two of the big two. That broke the internet. What, what else caught your eye? So in the same vein, so like I, I did in uh, <clears throat> my Chris Powell hook, uh, adventure time on your wrist. So the first segment that we're doing is basically Rolex and Tudor because these are more outdoor adventure travel type of watches. And in that same vein, Breitling. Now, Breitling has been around is, is a, for a, a fair amount of years. Um, I believe they have their, their roots in building instrument panels in um, aircraft. And Breitling also has this, this watch called a Navitimer. Now, if you've ever seen one of these Navitimers, it basically looks like a old school slide rule on your wrist. It is a big pilot's watch with a whole bunch of markings and rulers and stuff. And it looks really cool. Um, 
it doesn't have aesthetic for me because I think it's too busy. Uh, when it comes to watches, I'm a little bit more minimal. I like mm -hmm. having... Preach. <laughs> I like function over form sometimes. And so anyway, uh, Breitling this last year, they kind of did a rebranding. Um, they're still Breitling, but they're, they're pulling away their vintage B with the wings um, off of their dials and just going with their, their, their actual Breitling uh, moniker. And they reissued the Navitimer under uh, a whole bunch of different dial variants called the Navitimer 8. And then the one that we're going to be talking about is the B35 Automatic Unitime 43, meaning 43 millimeters. So 43 millimeters, again, a little bit big. Getting in there. But pilots' watches are supposed to be. Like, that's historically, that's where they come from. So I can understand that. Um, it's not from just a uh, bling standpoint. Because, again, if you're a pilot and you're flying, you want legibility because maybe you might not be able to lift your hand up to check time. There you go. So I, I, get, I get why. This one is really cool. So if you're looking in the same vein of the, that Tudor and that GMT uh, for, for Rolex, this one, uh, the Unitime, is uh, in U.S. dollars, uh, 8140 on a leather strap, 8520 on a steel bracelet which is about comparable, kind of in between the, the, the price of the, the Rolex and the Tudor. Now, what you get with this is a world time function. It's not just GMT. You have a bezel with a whole bunch of different cities that you can lock the time to, and at a glance, not only do you get your local time that you're at, but now you can see around the world what the time uh, is because it has a 24-hour track on the inside. I love, G I, I love GMTs. I think they're a great complication, but I think world timers, if you're going to spend the money that, that broke the internet, why not have the added function where you could see every world, uh, every time zone on your wrist for the same, same price, basically. Can I ask a question that is of the, uh, of the newbie uh, audience in the back of the room? I don't think you're in the back of the room, but go ahead, Mr. Powell. <laughs> so for those that may not know a whole lot about modding or just the, the whole world, the, the world time sounds appealing. Um, is it possible, do they make the little uh, bezels for other watches that have the cities around them? They do. So like, so for the SKX, there is a mod where you can put on the bezel the city, the, the, the actual cities around it. The problem is with the SKX, we don't have a 24-hour track. Okay. So you kind of need, because we have a 12-hour dial, and so when you do it, the aesthetic is there and you can kind of cheat. So it, 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 it's, a, it's a worthwhile complication. And it's a complication that allows you to have a lot of functionality, and it's not just as easy as putting it on a sure. bezel. There's yeah, a couple yeah. extra steps, but you can kind of do it. Oh yeah. Um, I, personally, like if you're gonna do that type of mod, I think a double twelve, where you have, um, you, obviously you have your twelve uh, hours that you have on your dial, and then you have a twelve-hour bezel. I believe the Grey NATO coined the term. It's a CMT, a cheap mean time, oh, well, as that, opposed to a GMT. That works for me. Um, that's and that's what I usually do for my sake. So I mean, you can do it. But anyway, with with a true world timer, basically as you jump time zones, it will track all the other time zones accordingly with it. And again, this is all mechanical. But I, I just I kind of felt like the Breitling for the price that it came out and what it is doing. I kind of felt like the the whole Rolex pep everybody going Pepsi and diet Pepsi. This one kind of kind of didn't get the the fanfare that I thought it would from a horological standpoint, especially at the price. And all the more reason why we should be giving some props to that on this uh, podcast here. Also, uh, let's take a pause right now as we're talking about Pepsi, the pause that refreshes. Uh, <laughs> you are also listening to us on 102.3 FM KMRE, low power community radio here in the city of subdued excitement. See, I'm taking I'm taking your uh, <laughs> happy April well. Fools, happy yeah, April Fools, I love exactly. It. I love it. So uh, let's get back to the, uh, let's go to the 
the white bread side of uh, watches. Bread. Uh, so Blanc Pond. Blanc Pond. So, uh, so Blanc Pond. This is another company that. Uh, it, this is an old company, super old, well rooted in especially dive watches. They have something called the Fifty Fathoms, which is arguably. Um, just as historically important as uh, Rolex's Submariner. Um, but they also have these other ones, uh, and my French is really horrible, so forgive me, but they have this other line that is attached to the 50 Fathoms called the Bathyscaphe. And the one that I want to talk about is the Bathyscaphe Quantit... Quantium. Um, quant- yeah, it's French, annual. and my Italian always kind of flares Quantium up. Quantium Annuel. Quantium Annuel. And what that means is basically... It's a dive watch with a black dial that looks a lot like a 50 Fathoms. It's a full calendar watch where it gives you, like our Seiko, we have a day and date. Mm-hmm. Well, what if, this, what if there was a watch that also told you the month? So it has a month track, a day track, and a date track. So that's like three hacks to pull out from the movement, right? Possibly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, or however they did. I don't know how the movement works on this one. But um, it's just, this is a really cool added feature. Um, Now, a lot of people, when it comes to divers, they don't, there's a lot of argument in the watch fam of like, oh, there shouldn't be apertures. Again, I'm looking at it from a function standpoint. A desk diver, somebody who sits at a desk all dang day, daydreaming about, about adventuring, it's a nice function to look at your wrist and go, oh, okay, so today's April. I forgot when we were recording that this is April Fool's. Yes. <laughs> you know, I thought it was one month prior. Now, with this, this is not a perpetual calendar. We hear that a lot with like Patek and stuff where basically you set the watch and it will even know when it's a leap year and stuff. That's not what this is. You do like you do have to change it for leap years and stuff. But I thought it was a really cool aesthetic. It's a brand new caliber that they're, they're um, putting in this one. And uh, I don't have, at the time of this recording, I didn't have a... Uh, price so um it'll probably be pricey but really cool aesthetic check it out very good very good so i'm going to jump in for a second as far as a watch that caught my eye from my um i'm still in the periphery uh of the watch fam i'm kind of being like the the bus boy uh, of of the watch fam meal okay okay horology <laughs> is not about forward and aft of I'm a classroom st- i'm still learning yes that we all are yes it's time that's that's that is what this hobby lends itself to you exactly so one of the one of the watches that i had noticed in in like all of the new uh models that were coming out it's a reissue uh by bulova and this was the oceanographer 666 uh now the reason why there's a couple reasons one it's a 44 millimeter uh a face which the original was 40 millimeters i believe so you know with time time expands (laughs) and so therefore you get a bigger watch maybe they haven't caught on to what we were talking about earlier with you know the decreased watch sizes. That appeals to me, because naturally, a bigger watch uh, face would catch my eye, but um, a, a Miyota movement, which is always a tasty, it's about 800 bucks. That's nice. And I, you know, that, that appeals to me yeah. in someone who's really economical, thinking about you know, how many months do I get to save up for you know, this purchase. But I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, uh, hey, bull of a people, you know, you, you make a great watch, love you to death, but could you make the watch go deeper than 666 <laughs> uh, meters, please? Could you go to 700 or something, please? <laughs> so it's Easter Sunday, and you're talking, and, and we're talking about a, uh, a devil know, diver. A devil diver, and you know, I just really, I, I really can't get fully all in on this <laughs> watch because I'm. What do you, what are you wearing, That's Chris? That's a bad mojo. It's a little bit of a bad mojo. Uh, what are you wearing, Chris? Oh, this is the bull of a 666. What? So anyway, this is kind of like we're... Tongue uh, in cheek. I'm torn. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful watch design, beautiful uh, face, 
and uh, reasonably priced, but and a cool reissue. Let's go one more meter <laughs> deeper. Make it a six six seven. You got it. Yeah, it's like you don't want the number thirteen. I That's gotcha. Right. I gotcha. All right. So what else did you find? Um, another trend is smart and hybrid. So uh, in the show notes, I've got a link to um, Hodinki got to sit down with um, Jean Claude Bivet, who is just. Uh, the the guy in the know when it comes to everything the Swiss market, um, he's been CEO of several of the bigs, uh, but anyway, he uh, he did a really cool interview regarding um, Tag Heuer and the Tag Connect, and that that's kind of the one of the projects that that, that he kind of spearheaded in bringing Intel into the fold of the Swiss market. But um, and I won't go into that because Hodinki did a great, great interview with him. But one of the trends that we're seeing is what is what is the Swiss market going to do with this whole concept of connected watches? It's not in their their fair to 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 do that type of thing because it's electronic that kind of leans itself to quartz and quartz almost decimated them. It sounds like the Swiss the Swiss market is also in uh, heavy into legacy. Yes, which and, may be a big portion of their market share. Right, and when it, when you introduce a battery, you like we talk about, you don't get that heirloom um, functionality because electronics degrade, electronics can't sometimes be replaced and sometimes it, it just it, it's not the same thing as a mechanical thing. So Alpina comes out with a Kickstarter. Now Alpina is owned by uh, one of the brands that I love, which is Frederic Constant, which is now owned by the Citizen Group, which is Japanese owned. And they came out with this Kickstarter, early bird pricing, 530 Swiss francs for a watch that really appeals to the adventurer. This is a connected watch that has an analog face and a digital down below. So it's in the same time, uh, same uh, design as like the, uh, there's a, there's a Breitling Navitimer in that same vein. Uh, but it gives you GPS, it gives you elevation, it gives you UV index. And barometer too, right? Barometer. Yeah. Like it's meant for the outdoors and it gives you it, it, like a year of battery life. Like they're really hitting it out of the park and you get to customize it. Um, or you can just take whatever they're designing. Like they give you a lot of added bonuses on their Kickstarter. Now, it's funny because this is a long, old Swiss brand, um, and they're on Kickstarter. And they, they, the reason why they're doing it is because they wanted to bring the community in because they want this to be a community-driven smartwatch. And I'm using smart in air quotes. At the time of this recording, they needed, I think, 52,000 uh, 52, USD to meet their goal. They still have several days to go, and they're over 635,000. There's a lot of backers to this. 10X is always newsworthy whenever you get something uh, beyond your intended yeah. goal. Which uh, comes into play of like Sequent. Sequent also popped in at, at Basel and stuff, and um, I'll, I'll loop to them in a second. But here's a watch where if you're an outdoorsy person, and I know several uh, several that, that, that go backpacking with uh, like an Android Connect, uh, Samsung Gear, that type of thing, because they have that added functionality. But battery is always the kicker. Um, take a look at this watch if you're in, in Endeavor like that. Um, again, Kickstarter is not a store. You know, buyer beware, that whole normal thing that we do. Um, Sequent, kind of looping in them um, because they weren't really at Basel, but they kind of popped in. Um, they're supposed to be shipping it uh, ap uh, April of 2018. So we should, be seeing, we should be seeing the first runs of the Sequent. Um, that was another Kickstarter that we talked about, see previous uh, podcasts. Yep. And um, pre-Basel, Frederic Constant announced their hybrid smartwatch. This is a uh, $3,500 to $3,700, respectively, uh, smartwatch, where it's a hybrid of a actual mechanical automatic movement with a module for connected features on top. All right. So it has a battery as well as an automatic movement. 
uh, you have to put it in this watch winder case that winds it and also charges the battery. I think I like the idea of this. I think Frederic Constant missed the mark on how they were how to execute it because I would have rather seen them take a page out of sequence book where the automatic rotor charges the battery. Maybe they were watching too much Star Trek Voyager and they saw how Seven of Nine was uh, regenerating by going to sleep in her uh, yeah. sleeping quarters, if and you will. I just, I don't know. Like, I like the concept and it's a cool 1.0, but I think this one missed the mark on, for me on the, the Smart and Hybrid. But uh, right. uh, there's three Smart and Hybrid ones to take a look at in the show notes. And, apps, and you know, we're still on the early stages of uh, this whole smart watch movement. Right. I mean, how many years has it been since the Apple Watch came out? It's been three, isn't three it? Three years? Yeah. yeah. The barely a presidential term yeah. uh, or barely, you know, reaching a half decade. This is still the evolution of the of this technology. The evolution of this revolution. And speaking <laughs> of speaking of neoclassics yeah. or the new classics, talk to me about Tissot. So Tissot, uh, this is a brand that you can usually find a lot of affordable um, Swiss made uh, watches in their, their repertoire. Um, there's one that they came out with, the Antimatique um uh, Heritage 2018 handwound. That's a mouthful. Um, it's slim. It's classic. It's reasonably priced. 50 meters water resistance. 43 meter ca- uh, millimeter case. I dig that. And a whopping 1,000 euros. All right. So. Yeah. And it's gorgeous looking. I mean, just it it had the case. So I think they're using a Unitas or um, something similar to a Unitas handwound movement. And usually you see those in bigger cases. And for them to be able to use that pocket watch style movement in a very thin case, props. That takes some skilled manufacturing. And being able to, you know, wind it and take a look at that movement is gorgeous. Uh, Oris, which is another uh, reasonably priced uh, brand, uh, they came out with a pointer date heritage. And the reason why I wanted to point, point this one out is uh, they now have a variant where it's 36 millimeters and 40 millimeters. Uh, Originally, I think it was only out in 36, and some people thought it was a little bit too small, but it's throwing back to the classics. The reason why I want to point this out is they have a green dial variant. It has cathedral hands and a pointer that points at the date all around the dial. I like that feature. Oh, it looks good. Yeah, it does. Um, My Frederick Constance like that, and I love it. The reason why I want to point this one out is right before Basel, we heard that uh, Seiko... Uh, cacked the Alpinist line. And th- if you're longing for a cathedral-handed, green-dialed watch, take a look at this watch as a substitute. Um, the price is, is a, a lot more than that Alpinist, but it has that same aesthetic. Uh, the pointer date is starting at 1500, uh, for 1550 for uh, it on a normal strap, 1750 on bracelet, and those prices are Swiss francs. So uh, back a couple episodes ago when we went uh, up north on a road trip, we visited Roldorf uh, in Vancouver. Vancouver and they're a big purveyor of Nomos. So what Nomos have going on with what is it, Glashuta? Yeah, Nomos Glashuta. And so this is a, a company that's out of Germany. Amazing. Uh, if you look at, if you want that classic on a Poirot feel on a dial, the types that they have really sings that song for me. Uh, they have a, a new Tangente, Tangente Neomatic 41. And that uh, what's cool about it is the case size is 40.5 millimeters. Uh, it's priced at about $4,100 USD. And you just look at this and you go, it's clean, it's minimal. It just, it's a, it's a 
I could easily see Nomos being in the future what we refer to as like a, a new classic, where you look back and you go, wow, you know, that design is very distinctive of this era. And I really feel that's what Nomos does. And it's that clean glashuta feel. Who would you say the target market would be for a Nomos uh, glashuta? Any, I, I mean, anybody, really. Like, if you're a businessman or woman, if you're a teacher, like anything. It just, it, it doesn't, it's not aggressive. Uh, it's very svelte in their, the, the case design and, and the case thickness. Um, but they're durable as, as all get out. Matter of fact, the, the, at, uh, at this Basel, they also announced a 41 millimeter, 10.5 millimeter in thickness Audubon, which the dial glows like a rev counter looking oh, thing. Oh, that's nice. You oh, know, like nice. they, they have a little bit of something for everybody, but it's non-aggressive. I, I guess that's the thing I love about Nomos is it's almost unisex. Um, it's just very clean, very balanced design. And I, I, I could see myself owning one in the future. And looking at some of these models, and, and I do um, uh, admire their aesthetic and what they use. And of course, all the, all the under the hood, no pun intended, yeah. uh, is, is top notch. I really see like someone who would be driving a Tesla. Tesla is a, a new classic emerging. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get out of a Tesla and you're closing the door, there's a shot of that Nomos. And it's that kind of style that I can equate one with one with the other. In yeah, a lot of ways. Totally. I could be totally off my no, rocker. No, no. I, no, I, I think I think that's a good good analogy. Like it, it it's also one of the th- those things where like if you see somebody wearing a Nomos, they're kind of in the know. Like you, it's not something that, you know, <sighs> We talk about this a lot where a lot of brands carry baggage. Rolex carries some baggage. Like you said, it's the bling, right? Hey, you want to buy a watch? Where you see somebody that wears a Nomos or a Halios or some of these other brands that we mentioned, you have to kind of seek them out or have seen one before in the metal for somebody to, to go and acquire it. And Nomos is kind of in that same vein, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, because um, you don't see a lot of them, honestly. Right. And here's a way to stand out and look, uh, you know, definitely... Uh, have a good quality timepiece. Could this be? Could Nomos and Halios be part of the new breed? Well, I mean, Nomos is an old company. They, oh, okay. they, they, uh, Halios has only been around for I think ten years. Mm. Um, they're the same. They're as old, or maybe a little bit younger as, uh, than um, uh, Braemont. It's it's funny to think like Braemont isn't that old of a company, you know. Uh, but again, like they just have a really good design. I need I, to do more uh, watch history uh, <laughs> research before recording a show. But no, anyway, no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's good stuff. So let's go to our brand that we know and love so much. Seiko. So they get their own segment in my in my book because I think they don't get the due credit that they deserve. Uh, I mean, yes, they arguably, historically speaking, they really put a bullet into the Swiss watchmaking market. But some of the technology that they do is just light years. Like they, they've, they've taken horology and they've made a, a next step to it. Uh, this year, I think, was the 20th anniversary of their Grand Seiko or one of their high beat movements. So they did a whole bunch of reissues about that. Um, I'm going to skip all of that and kind of get down to a, another reissue. Um, 1968 was their, uh, their first foray into dive watches. And they had a monocoque case, which means that everything loads through the crystal. And that's how they were able to get the pressure rating and stuff. So they have a now a reissue of the 1968 automatic... Um, uh, diver, it's under the moniker of SLA025, and it's limited edition. Uses their high beat um, automatic movement, 6159. It beats at 36,000 uh, beats an hour. Uh, it still keeps the monocoque case. It's limited to 1,500 pieces at a whopping non Seiko price of $5,400 USD. Well, now. Yeah, and we saw this last year too. Um, 
where they did another reissue where it's just Gagzook's prices. They do when they do this though, what I like about Seiko is they also do a reinterpretation of that style in a more affordable price. So they have a reinterpretation of the 1968 um, automatic diver using the 6R15 movement, uh, which is a more affordable movement. It's a great movement. Um, black bezeled, it has the moniker of SPB077, comes in stainless steel. It comes at, in at around 1,050 USD. The blue bezeled SPB079 on a silicone strap, 850 bones USD. Not bad. And I like, I like the reinterpretation. I don't think the reinterpretations have a monocoque case, so it does have a case back. But the style, I think, is there. I, I think it's, it's cool. Um, other honorable mentions in the Seiko category. Um, I just wanted to draw attention to this one just because of who they partnered with. So Seiko has a Seiko Prospect Save the Ocean edition of the Turtle. Um, that's the SRP 77777X series. They, they partnered with Fabian Cousteau. Now, Cousteau, this is the, if I remember my history right, Fabian is the grandchild of Jacques Cousteau. And they have three new pieces. Entry price on these, I think, are 450 euros. And they're just really gorgeous. The dial has this wave pattern. If, you're if you hadn't bought a turtle yet, this is the one that I would be looking at. Um, it just, it, it's cool. Some of the proceeds, I think, goes to um, the Cousteau Save the Ocean Foundation. I can't remember the foundation. I should have looked that up. But it just looks cool and they have a really cool video of Fabian and stuff and if you haven't if you haven't seen any of his works uh, take a look at his TED talk that he gave a couple years ago where he went down to the Aquarius it, it's the last underwater sea lab that we have and he spent I think the longest mission down there where at saturation diving and all this other jazz it's really cool Ta hearing his perspective especially because of his lineage on what he sees ocean conservation it's just okay. really cool sounds great so with all these uh, watches from Baselworld, there's got to be one in the OMG category. Was there one that was just the, the moonshot? The moonshot for me, uh, like Patek. Patek Philippe also announced that they're on social media now, which is, okay, cool, whatever. But I think Bulgari um, really nailed this one. Our SS, if, you, if you listen back to our SIHH, we talked about this concept watch that was credit card thin, like super thin. So Bulgari, does, and that, that was a concept watch, not to come to market yet. Bulgari comes out with their Octo Finissimo Tourbillon automatic, and it breaks all the records. And it has a price tag of $118,000. It is coming to market this year. Um, and what this is, is credit card thin on your wrist. With a tourbillon, now that, that means the balance wheel is exposed and rotates to compensate for gravity, which on a wristwatch doesn't really mean anything other than the fact that it is amazing to look at. But when you look at this watch and you go, Apple, you got some catching up to do in thinness <laughs> yeah. and manufacturing. Like that's, that's what I love about all of these mechanical offerings when you look at the, the watch fam is these companies are making things that have function, have complication, Basically, a GMT is like an app, you know, or a world timer is an app. A Turbione is a really cool screensaver, you know, and they're doing it old school. They're doing it mechanically. 
And they're making it thin because that was the thing is if it's mechanical, oh, it can't be as thin as silicone, right? Like we can we can put diodes in resistors and we can make things Apple Watch. This is smaller. This is like half the size of an Apple Watch. Yeah, we have the technology and we're we live in the future. And so <laughs> get ready for a lot thinner stuff in the it future. Just, that that micro engineering really fascinates me. It's a really cool vein. And so take a look at the Bulgari Octo Finissimo Turbion. Very cool. So that was Basel World. Yep. What an event. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, that wraps up for this edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us on the Google Play, the SoundCloud, and iTunes, and anywhere else you love to listen to us. If you're in the Bellingham area, you might listen to us on KMRE 102.3 FM. Low power. Community radio here in the heart of the city by the Salish Sea. And on that note, I am the real AJ Barce. And for reals, I'm Chris Powell. Thanks again for joining us on the Bellingham Podcast. Oh, man, I can't believe we finally remembered to do that hook. Yeah, we missed it from last year. But anyway, April 1st, you got to do something, right? <laughs> <laughs>